Welcome to Strange Darkness Radio, where we take you on a journey into the unknown and explore the darkest corners of the human experience. I'm Sky, the AI voice of the show, and I'm excited to introduce your hosts, Bobby Washington and Carolyn Gray. Together, they will be your guides through the eerie and unsettling tales that lurk in the shadows. From ghosts and hauntings to cryptids and extraterrestrials, we cover it all. So, get comfortable, turn down the lights, and prepare yourself for a journey into the macabre. It's time for Strange Darkness Radio. Welcome back to another episode of Strange Darkness Radio. This is Bobby Washington. And I'm Carolyn Gray. Yeah, she she hates when I introduce her name, just people out there, just FYI. So it's a little delay uh, because Carolyn is actually in town at an undisclosed location, uh, not feeling too great. But she's a trooper, and so she's uh, doing the episode tonight. So what happened, Carolyn? Um, well, yeah, I flew in Sacramento. Uh, I got here, let me see, Friday. Um, I felt fine all weekend, and then this morning I started coming down with something, and I think I might have COVID because my aunt uh, has COVID and she was visiting us. So oh. I'm going to probably let you take the reins on this one, Bobby. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Well, but I'm here. Okay. I'm here great. for you. Okay, perfect, perfect. We have a special guest tonight, um, and I'm going to let Sky go ahead and introduce him, and we're going to go from there. So here we go. Let's give a warm welcome to Tim Moon, the creative mind behind Tomato Fields, an enthralling cryptic mystery fiction thriller that burst onto the scene in 2023. Skillfully interweaving fictional elements with real-life situations, this narrative masterpiece finds its roots in Tim Moon's personal journey, particularly his brother's cryptid encounter. With Tomato Fields, Moon introduces his inaugural novel, the first chapter in what hopes to be an exhilarating series. As we welcome Tim Moon on Strange Darkness Radio, we delve into the world of a cryptid truth seeker who has valiantly battled life's unexpected trials. Defying norms and conquering personal demons, his story is one of triumph against all odds. Welcome. So, Tim, welcome to Strange Darkness Radio. How's it going? Hey, thank you. Nice to be here. Oh, well, thank you very much for joining us. Um, and uh, your book, man, your book is really amazing. Uh, in reading it, haven't gotten all the way through only because life's craziness. Uh, but it, it, on the parts that I've gotten through, it kind of reminded me of, you know, uh, a 70s vibe, you know, old school cryptid, you know, Sasquatch yeah. or Bigfoot story. Yeah, you know, that's um, the goal. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, tell us about yourself. Uh, well, uh, I'm a, a te teacher and administrator in the Austin area, and I um, uh, been doing that for about 25 years. And this is the first time I've written a, a novel, and uh, I've been fascinated by the subject for since I was a kid in the 70s. When I saw the, the movie The Legend of Boggy Creek, I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Yes, I have. But it's a great movie. It's just a kind of a cult, cult movie now today. Mm -hmm. But when it came out, it was it was a real low budget movie that made a bunch of money. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and it uh, but it just fascinated me, and I never I never got over it, and I, I just I just felt like there had to be something to this, and so for. Since I was a kid, I've been interested in the topic, and I uh, uh, just every every time I had a chance to talk to someone about possible stories, I would do that uh, when it was the right time or the right place. And I did a I have since done tons of research on it. I'm also a history teacher and a historian, so I've kind of approached it from a historical background, from a the way a historian would and looked at the facts and looked at all the stories and looked at all the evidence and um, just hard to ignore it. 
<laughs> because there's just too much of it to explain. Um, if uh, if different countries with different languages and different religions and different ethnic groups from different continents all over the world, even Australia, which is surrounded by oceans, are seeing roughly the same thing yeah. and describing roughly the same thing. It's impossible to get your neighbors to agree on something, let alone something like that, with all of those people involved. And that's the thing that gets me the most. I just you just cannot you can't make that happen. It has to be organic, and mm-hmm. there can't be that much smoke unless there's fire. Yeah, for sure. And uh, so, you know, whether it's the uh, you know Native American community who's uh, you know did pictorials on on walls about you know Sasquatch, right. Bigfoot, and different things that they would call you know these um, these species, entities, whatever they are. Um, it's been recorded uh, throughout history. So, yeah, so thousands of years. Yeah. You're, Mill- you're millions of stories, if you really got down to it. I mean, we have hundreds of thousands of them, but they say that for every one that reports one, there's 10 that don't. Yeah, exactly. And, and I really do believe that because most people don't want people laughing at them. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's... And, or they think that people will think they're crazy. And so they just, my brother did that for a long time. He just kept it to himself. He didn't want anyone laughing at him. Yeah. So, so in the book, the book is um, a derivative off of your brother's, was it a catalyst for his experience? And you wanted to. It was kind of a catalyst. I had been, for about 20 years, I had been thinking about fiction, using fiction to draw people to this mystery instead of nonfiction. Because I saw a lot of the nonfiction with facts and um, you know charts and all the things that they put in the nonfiction books to try to um, gain legitimacy for this topic. A lot of people just ignore it. They just blow it off and yeah. they, they don't pay too much attention to it. And I thought, well, what if you could get fiction and and use stories and build characters and and drama that grips people and and engages their imagination and their emotions maybe you could draw people to a subject that wouldn't otherwise care or be that interested and maybe win them a little bit friend told me once that facts tell but stories sell Mm -hmm. yeah and so i said i want to try to i think it would be cool to do a story that would maybe win people to this thing. And then 10 years ago, I was with my brother. We were helping my uncle move some stuff out of his house. And he, and we, I think some Bigfoot show came on. So I asked him if he'd ever seen anything strange in the woods. And he started telling me about this story that happened next to his house in a rural area in Mason County, Washington, right? Pretty much where the book was, became the setting of the book. And, um, I couldn't believe it. I thought, I can't believe I've known you all my life and you never told me that story. But uh, in the 90s, he bought some property in Mason County, Washington, and he's a contractor, so he was going to build out, uh, break it up into lots and build houses out there, which he eventually did. Yeah. And he, but he was working in Seattle and coming out to, to uh, Union, it's Union, Washington, and Mason County. And staying there on the weekend and working on the weekends on getting the lots ready and everything. And he went out to the trailer because uh, his trailer was having a problem with lights. And he went out to work on the lights of his trailer uh, one, one early evening. Um, and he was doing it and he smelled something really crazy, uh, really bad, really gross, uh, like musky uh, or dead or something like that. And he, so he thought there was a dead animal or a skunk or something running around. So he started looking around. You don't want to get hit by a skunk. You can avoid it. Exactly. <laughs> and he looked up to his left about 70 yards and there was an animal standing there. And it was about nine and a half, ten feet tall. That He knows that because it was standing right next to a light post that has markers. 
And those markers, he knows how high those markers are. Mm -hmm. And his head came up to one of these markers. So he knows it was nine and a half to 10 feet tall. And it was about four and a half to five feet wide. And it was all black and hairy. Mm -hmm. Just scared him to death. Uh, When they made eye contact, it screamed, it started screaming at him. I don't know. Have you ever heard the videos where they scream? Yeah. I was going to have those screams ready, um, but something happened. Uh, but uh, because I, the ones that I love hearing is like a, a yelp yeah. and then the scream and along with tree yeah. knocks. And, uh, but yeah. yeah. Well, it does. It screams really loud and it kind of vibrates through you. And he just freaked out and he ran into the house and grabbed his shotgun and looked back out the window. And it was still standing there, but... It, it it finished screaming at him and he thought it was coming after. He thought it, when he looked out it would be on his way to the to the house. Yeah. And but it didn't do that. It 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 finished screaming and then it turned around and it headed back into the woods, you know, uh where it had come from. Mm-hmm. And he just freaked out though. He just said he'd he'd never been that scared. And uh, he to this day he won't go in the woods. Yeah. Unless he's very well armed. Wow. And it's full daylight. He won't, he doesn't go camping yeah, or anything like that. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> so, but he does go out target shooting. And, but when he does, he know he has the ability to defend himself. Yeah, exactly. But, but um, otherwise he won't do it. And, and it just said that once you see it, he says, once you see it, you can't unsee it. Mm. And he doesn't give a, crap who believes it or not yeah no I, <laughs> i've heard that i've heard that uh multiple times multiple times when it comes to uh bigfoot um yeah. to where you know people are just you know terrified and it's you know you can't tell them any different those who the ones who want to tell their stories and it's so funny because um you'll get a person who's seen something paranormal or a ghost that will be quicker to tell that story than a person who's seen bigfoot and that's kind of odd mm-hmm. to me because Bigfoot as, you know, a cre- you could say as a creature, a cryptid or something that's, you know, kind of a little bit more tangible and the existence is, you know, people are like, yeah, I think they'll be readily, you know, believable. But uh, but even those people who really see that, they they don't want to say. They don't want to say. I think there's of a stigma on Bigfoot still than... You know, aliens and UFOs and ghosts, those things are kind of becoming a little more accepted. But there is still a big stigma attached to Sasquatch and Bigfoot. Like, people just don't, they don't accept it. I don't know. I think people think if there's really an animal out there, he'd be in the zoo. Yeah. Right. He would have discovered it by now. He would have. And they think, they, they don't want, I think they really don't want to think there's an animal out there that's capable of eluding us, whether we want it to or not. Cause then maybe something else is equal to us in some regard. I mean, I'm not saying they're human the same exactly, but they're superior to us in some significant ways or one of them would be in the zoo. Yeah. And so that's, I think people don't want to think, especially when they're out in the woods uh, that there could be something looking at them <laughs> so, too. <laughs> so yeah. I just don't, I think people have, and I also wonder if there's not a thing in our development in our DNA from back in history when there was more interaction between people and these things where they just, there's a natural fear. Mm-hmm. And so that fear engages and kicks in the survival instinct into people even psychologically even i think when they don't know that that's what's doing it because i see people just irrationally just reject it they just don't want to talk they don't even want me to talk about it yeah they get mad i've got to the point where i don't even talk about it unless i feel there's a sincere interest because they either laugh at me or they get mad at me yeah and i haven't done anything wrong exactly (laughs) i'm fine i don't want to talk about it they don't i don't need to get them to agree with me so but there is just some sometimes when it's just weird, like you said, a stigma that just about this that you don't necessarily see in other things. Yeah. So can I ask real quick? You've done a lot of research and you've inter- you've interviewed people who have seen or had experiences. 
I've, um, I've, I've talked to different people more, not in a formal interviews, just asking them questions and getting their stories in when I so, run into people who I think might have had an experience. Okay. So what, in your opinion, where does it come from? Is it something from earth or is it? Um, based on all the stories I, I've just, read and heard thousands of stories um, from on the radio and on, on uh, in in blogs and every everywhere I can find them I read them or listen to them and one of the things that I notice that is that people who watch them move generally claim that they've never seen anything move like that it's like something shouldn't be able to move like that uh, the way they can they have super fast running speeds that they, they run faster than any animal that size should be able to run. They yeah. jump high, they climb up trees, they squat down like spiders and crawl on the ground. Um, they have amazing agility. Their legs move funny. They don't move like the human legs. They don't, their knees don't work the same way the human. And generally people will say it just, it seemed to be defying physics. It didn't seem to be moving and acting like an animal on this planet acts. So it makes me wonder if I, if if they some have some have some extraterrestrial origin. Mm-hmm. How I don't know. Maybe they were brought here. Maybe someone got sick of them on their planet, so they dropped them off on ours. I don't know. Okay, or maybe they just. Um, you know, there's a lot of different theories about what aliens do come here, if they do come here, and, and what they might bring or try to create while they after they get here. But right. if you think about Superman, the, the whole thing about Superman, and I know that's just a fictional story, but yeah. I think it tells a point, is on his own planet, he was not Superman. Because the Krypton modified... Krypton, kryptonite modified his strength. It weak, weakened him and made him normal. When he came to this planet, there was no kryptonite, so he was super powerful, super strong. I'm wondering if that wherever they did develop, if they do have an extraterrestrial origin, if it had super hard gravity, super much stronger gravity than what we have here. Mm-hmm. So suddenly when it gets here, this is nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I can go, I can do anything here, you know, and I wonder, I don't know for sure any of this. I just, you know, guess based on what I have, what I have learned. I wonder if that's not part of why they are able to do so much. And they also have a lot of psychic abilities. They, um, they know you're there long before you know they're there, unless they've made a mistake of some kind. They communicate to you telepathically. Mm-hmm. They, there is some evidence they use something called infrasound, which is what tigers and lion, or at least tigers I know, use it to scare their prey yeah. and and through psychic fear and huh. and tele tele what do they call it telecommunication? Um, what is it when it's silent communication with someone else? It's um, telepathically. That's it. Okay. Yeah. And. You don't know, you don't hear anything, but you know exactly what they're saying, or this is what people report. Now, if enough people report that, it's either happening or you just got all these people to report this craziness, <laughs> you know, without without organizing it. It is just so anyway, it just those are the kind of things I think might be evidence that they have an extraterrestrial origin. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I just gotta correct one thing. Because all my listeners out there who are comic book gurus will say, you know, um, you know, Superman doesn't get his um, powers from Krypton or from Kryptonite on Krypton. He gets his powers from the yellow sun on Earth and on Krypton is a red sun. So that's why he doesn't have his powers there or, you know, they're tamed or whatever. But as far as how he gets his powers is actually from the, the yellow sun. Oh, okay. But basically, when he's on his home planet, he's just a normal dude, right? And then he comes to Earth. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that. I always thought the kryptonite kept him from 
having his strength. No, that's a crystal that um, came from Krypton that when it's here, it actually has a reverse effect. And uh, she's laughing okay. as we're sitting here talking about superheroes. <laughs> but, but It's all right. I, my son corrects me all the time yeah. on Marvel. No, so um, but I, I do I don't, have... I, do I don't have, have the... Go ahead. I don't know much about. I don't have an in-depth knowledge about. Oh yeah, no, no, no. I know, I know. We'll we'll just hear it from uh, people. But um, so that's why I wanted to just correct that. But um, okay. just just real quick though, what I, I I I was a big and I still am a big Bigfoot. Um, you know the Gimlin films and the right. whole nine yards. I was a big Bigfoot guy, right? Because again, I'm older, so therefore I I grew up in that time of the '70s and the '80s right. and all that stuff, right? To where um, that was our, you know, uh, uh, UFO that you could put your hand on, or the 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 creature that was out there and you were scared of. Because you know, I used to go hunting and everything. Right. And uh, yeah. that was the thing that we were always like, do you hear, you know, the sound of Bigfoot or, you know, just little stories that we would tell and everything like that. Um, and then I kind of, you know, I was with the whole thing with, you know, um, you know, they finding the, the, the footprints and doing, um, you know, the, um, the, the taking of the footprint. I forgot what the, the, the liquid they pour in there to, to, um, you know, to capture the footprint and all uh-huh. that stuff. What's that? Yeah. The molds? Yeah, the molds. And then you uh-huh. can just clearly see these footprints that look plaster. like, you know, yeah, plaster. Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, that clearly look like, you know, this 18, 19 inch foot of Shaquille O'Neal or somebody, you know, that was just <laughs> randomly out in the wilderness, which was incredible. And I used to always follow that. But then as time went on, and uh, then you have the guys coming out talking, oh, we found Bigfoot. And you have these one group of dudes, whatever, that supposedly had his body in a freezer. Turned out there was a hoax. And then it started me thinking, yes, I thought about the UFO in the, that aspect. Then I started thinking, right? I'm like, this planet is alive. Regardless of people want to admit it or, you know, or not, um, there are certain things that this planet generates for itself, you know, to 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 keep itself alive and to do what it can to uh to nurture certain areas and certain forestries and so on and so forth i was like what what if the planet is creating this entity to scare people out of certain locations to uh protect certain uh areas you know as as a protective you know thing that it, it manifests sasquatch or bigfoot in certain locations from time to time it just you know appears the, the whole thing like you said you know them not finding something. If you if you take a bear, um, how many how many bears have you found? Have they found? You know the bones or the hair just sitting there. There's a lot of times. I'll, there's a lot of bears that die, obviously in the woods, but no one. Yeah, it's really not finds very. You don't find dead dead bear in the woods. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You find maybe a dead deer, but usually they don't. People things don't last long when they die out there. Yeah. Yep. So. It's not very often that I've heard. I've even Survivor Man said that on a show. He said, "How I've never found a dead bear in the woods, and who's been out in the woods more than him?" Yeah. So why would you find a dead Sasquatch? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And And go ahead. What's that, Carolyn? Especially if they're hiding or they're living in caves or places that we won't, we don't search, we won't find. And also if they're, you know, able to travel interdimensionally, like some people theorize, you know, they might not even spend that time here in the first place. Possible. Yeah. I used to discount that and just say, ah, that's just pooey, you know, Mm -hmm. but I I don't discount anything anymore because it just, there's just so much mystery around this. There's a lot of fire and a lot of smoke and and some fire somewhere but i don't always know where it is or what it what it means so it could be that there's some paranormal or portal type thing that they they have access to i also think they might bury their dead there's some Mm. i've heard some stories of them burying their dead that's an interesting theory and i've also heard stories that they could eat their dead because animals in the wild they need the protein. Yeah, that's true. And they just, you know, so it's possible that they has a, a cannibalistic nature to them as well. I just no, just don't know for sure. So let me ask you a question about your book. So you never use the term 
Bigfoot or Sasquatch or anything like that. Why didn't you want to go there? Because that's what one of the reasons I went back to the seventies, so I could be somewhere where that wasn't popular yet. Oh, okay, got it. And I wanted it to be where it just blew people's mind every time they turn around. This thing that they never dreamed existed is doing these crazy things. And so I just don't even use the name. I won't use the name on the next one either. Oh, okay. Nice. okay. And I'll, it'll be approximately the same time period, a little bit later, because I'm going to use some of, a couple of the same characters. I didn't even realize that this book was set in the 70s. I mean, you, you mentioned the sheriff's car at one point, and I was like, oh, that's yeah. kind of an old or weird. But... yeah. <laughs> Okay, that makes sense now. <laughs> and also because I wanted to bring out the PTSD element and I needed a character who'd been in, in a war to do that. Yeah. So I used the Vietnam War. Right. And and that was far enough away from people that it wouldn't be personal or anything. Mm-hmm. So anyway, those are some of the things I was trying to do. No, you, and, you did, did a great job of it. Uh, the book is amazing. Everybody should uh, should go grab it. Um and uh, also just, you know, doing it a little early, but in show description, we'll definitely put the information so you guys can uh, click on the link and go get it. It's uh, Tomato Fields by Tim Moon. Great book. But It's uh, a great Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, I love that AI intro you did. I've never heard that before. Oh, thank you. That's, uh, that's he, our AI voice. That's pretty uh, cool. Sky. Yeah. She comes in he here. He went all up. Him. That was a great intro. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you think I could get a a copy of that? Oh yeah, you sure can. Yeah. A, just a yeah. My brother would get a kick out of that. Okay, no, for sure, <laughs> definitely, okay. definitely. Sure. Okay. Um, but uh, and um, you know, again, I'm sorry, y'all, for the housekeeping up front because we used to do this behind behind the closed doors, but now you're seeing how some of the soup is made. But um, normally, Tim, just FYI. I usually send that to the person to okay it, and then I go with it, but we didn't have time just based upon a lot of different craziness going on. But, uh, but yeah, so, but I, you know, I was like, okay, this is, I like it. It's good. Um, but yeah. All right. So, um, but, uh, now let's get into, again, we, we will still touch on the book, but let's get into, um, your belief in the whole paranormal aspect of things. Uh, what is your thoughts on the paranormal? Because I know you did have um, a paranormal experience when you were a younger child. And I yeah. wanted to, you know, touch bases with you on that. Well, it was, uh, we, we had a house when we were in elementary school that was uh, just strange things happened in it. Uh, and we, at first, it just seemed kind of weird, but then it was consistent enough that we thought there was something in the house, uh, some some kind of ghost or something. A couple of things. One time a thing floated off the mantle and then dropped in the middle, you know, uh, by in front of the fireplace and broke. And my brother and my mother and a couple other people saw that happen and that really freaked them out. Yeah. And then one time my brother saw a little boy, kind of a uh, partially visible and partially invisible, if that makes sense. And it followed my dad into the bathroom. And he he was kind of jealous because he, he didn't know the little boy and it was his dad. So he ran into the bathroom after his dad to find out who this little boy was yeah. that was with his dad. And there was nobody in there. Wow. And it was dressed in clothes from from like early in the century, mm-hmm. and so my mom got finally got a Ouija board, and and her and my aunt and I think it was my stepbrother and maybe a couple others did it to try to find out if there was something in the house. Now, personally, I wouldn't encourage people to do that. Yeah. Okay, because <laughs> I think you. You, you could potentially invite some really dangerous elements that you don't know how to handle. Yeah. So uh, I don't encourage that, but I was only eight, and I, I can't make any dis- – I didn't know anything about any of this. Like- so I just did what Tom said to do, and, and they determined that, a, that, that some little boy had died in the house, and they had the initials 
and everything. And now I can't remember it. And my mom died suddenly when I was in my late twenties and never dreamed that anything would happen to her. So I never asked her all these questions yeah, that now I exactly. have, but she's the only one that had answers to. Yeah. So, but, um, she said she went downtown and looked, did some research in the city, in the city, uh, offices and found out that a little boy had died there. Mm-hmm. So that's all we knew. And occasionally it made noises in the kitchen. Occasionally it uh, made noises downstairs, turned the dryers on and off. Sometimes it turned the stove on and off. Wow. Um, pots, and, pots and pans got moved around. I heard it moving pots and pans around one night in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, I didn't go in and I don't know why. I sat there. I remember sitting on my bed for 20 minutes or so. Everyone else was asleep and things were moving around in the kitchen. And I wasn't scared. I didn't run upstairs, mm. but I also didn't go into the kitchen. And to this day, I don't know why I didn't. Yeah. But I heard it clear as bell, and I know nobody was up and nobody was there but me listening. So that was kind of strange. But those we just got to the point where we figured it just was there. It was just part of the family, mm-hmm. and we just accepted it. And 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 when we moved, uh, nothing. It never, we never saw it or heard it again. Yeah. So it was so something it, that was tethered to that home. It must have been, or yeah, I, I like I said, I don't understand it all. Paranormal, yeah. all paranormal means is it's beyond normal. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's woo woo or it's something crazy or insane. It just means we don't understand it yet. And since we don't understand most things, it shouldn't be abnormal to be paranormal. Exactly. <laughs> and so that's how I look. That's how I look at it. And I think we could understand a lot more if if there wasn't so many forces that seem committed to us understanding less. No, <laughs> so, that's, that's very true. And the mockery is often used to uh, get people not to look into stuff that we should very well be looking into. Exactly. So, Yep. Anyway, that's, that's, that's kind of my opinion on that. No, that's that's a good opinion to have for sure. Um, on that note, let's go ahead and take a break and we'll be right back. Attention podcasters. Are you ready to unlock the full potential of your audio recordings? Look no further than GIK Acoustics, now proudly affiliated with Strange Darkness Radio. Introducing the ultimate solution for impeccable sound quality on your podcaster studio, Brought to you by GIK Acoustics in partnership with Strange Darkness Radio. Say goodbye to unwanted background noise and hello to a professional audio experience. With GIK Acoustics, you can ensure that every word you speak resonates with clarity and power. Their expertly designed sound panels, bass traps, and diffusers are meticulously crafted to create an acoustic environment that captivates your audience like never before. Visit our affiliate link on our Facebook fan page or find it in our show notes to access this exclusive collaboration. By harnessing the power of GIK Acoustics in partnership with Strange Darkness Radio, you can unlock a world of acoustic excellence for your podcast. GIK Acoustics in partnership with Strange Darkness Radio. Embrace the darkness and let your voice shine. Now let's get back to Strange Darkness Radio. So um, on your next book, because uh, the way this book was written, it was like, you know, wasn't sure, you know, um, it did, there was a window that was left open. Yeah, at the end, at the end, that becomes pretty clear. But I don't I don't think that window opens till the, till the last chapter. Mm. And um, the idea is just that it is part of a bigger picture. And I start to introduce that in the last chapter. I really think the Bigfoot mystery is a mystery that's a microcosm of a much bigger mystery, which is more uh, our place in this universe. Exactly. We we tend to think that we're the center of it, and uh, we are living in a universe that's billions of galaxies with billions of stars in each galaxy with trillions of planets that could be Earth-like and have life develop and all other types of diversity of life. And there's a whole lot more out there than 
what we know or what we are telling anybody or what people who do know are saying. And um, I think a lot's being covered up. But when we have a better idea of who we really are in this universe and what else there is and um, how we all fit in that uh, spectrum, um, I think Bigfoot will just fall into place and we'll go, oh, yeah, duh. Why didn't we know that, you know? Yep. Because it just—it's a smaller mystery in a large, much larger mystery, and I think all this UFO stuff and that's going on—I uh, can't tell how much of it's subterfuge and distraction, and how much of it's real. Uh, I, I tend to discount the same people who've been lying to me for years. Suddenly, I'm supposed to believe they're not lying to me, and so I don't. <laughs> I don't. So, but. I do know that we are likely not alone in the universe. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think mathematics alone proves that. So um, uh, I'm just going to wait and see. I hope in my lifetime I get to see some of it come to pass and some of these mysteries uh, get resolved. But I I don't know. (laughs) It's out of my control. If I had any control over it, it'd be done already. Yeah. Have you ever had UFO experience? Yes, I had uh, when I was uh, in college in the early 80s, I went to a concert and I believe it was a Bill Cosby concert. Um, It was a comedian. It was either Bill Cosby or it was that funny guy who used to always say, I don't get enough respect. Um, Oh, Rodney Dangerfield? Rodney Dangerfield. It was one of those because I saw both of those guys at different times. But um, we were leaving the Coliseum, it was in Pullman, Washington, in the Beasley Arts Coliseum. And we were walking out to our car and somehow someone looked up and I don't know who it was, but we looked, we all looked up. We noticed there's a triangle. There was a triangle shaped object. And the only reason we could tell it was there was because it was lighter than the night sky. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't, it wasn't lit up. We didn't see a bunch of lights, but it wasn't it was more gray and the sky was dark black and it was moving kind of in a, in straight line it, within a, a, a certain area. It stayed in a certain area, but it moved up and down and back and forward in kind of straight lines all around. Like it was positioning itself, but never going out of the picture, never leaving our eyesight. Mm. And, and it was probably we, we can, I can only guess cause I don't know how big it was. So it's hard to tell how far away it was. Yeah. But it seemed like it was about the distance away of uh, an airplane that, you know, it wasn't getting ready to land yet, but it wasn't full, full height. You know, it's not 37,000 feet in the air, but it's not also close to landing. So somewhere in that mid range. And we watched it for about 10 minutes do that. And then it just kept doing it. We didn't know what it was. We had no clue. So we just finally got in the car and went home, and and I never saw it again until I started seeing these triangle. um, About a couple years ago, I started seeing the military releasing these triangle pictures of of UFOs. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, that's what we saw minus the lights, because these usually have lights on them, the ones you see now. Yeah. And we didn't really see lights on it. And so... I started to say, well, maybe we were seeing something back then that that now other people are seeing now. Maybe it's some craft we had that yeah. we didn't know about back then that that we still have or have developed even more. I don't know. I just know for me, I had no clue what it was, and I'd never seen anything like it, and I never saw anything since until these triangular objects are starting to show up now. Yeah, that's so. That- to, to me, um, that's what it's, you know, happening lately. It's all the, um, cause I, I've had different sightings and, um, this, the one orb that I saw at a distance darting in and out cl- of clouds and to see that, you know, cause I was driving at the time and then, you know, to see that and try, I'm trying to pull over cause I can't believe what I'm seeing and then to actually see it you know, being chased by like a F-16, I was like, wow, that's, that's crazy wow. because I never that's thought I would yeah. see it again. You know, it's just something that I was like, oh, okay. 
let me take this in because I probably will never see this again, and let alone try to explain it to someone. So um, to so to see it again, it, it's just incredible. It's like you know, it's like dang. You know, I wasn't, it's not that I was going crazy because I knew what I was seeing. I was visually, you know, seeing this object, even when it, when it went, when it came out of a cloud, it left, it it left with its wake, meaning you saw like a tear drop that was along with that shape because it was a round object. And then it would, it, it, it wasn't hiding. It wasn't moving fast. It would just go into the next cloud, do its thing, and then move on to the next, and then just dart off. It was not moving fast. It was like, Nobody's looking at me. Nobody's watching anything. And if it, if they were, who, who cares? It, you know, it wasn't something that was trying to speed away or, you know, trying to be obscure or anything like that. It was like doing something in the clouds. It was really weird. It was really yeah, weird. Yeah, it just, I don't think they worry too much about us seeing them. Yeah, that's true. But, but yeah, if, it, if it's going through a cloud and leaving awake, that means it's physical. Yeah, exactly. Yep, yep. Yeah, it was it, it was it was pretty incredible, um, but uh, I never forgot it. And then I, when I saw these triangles start popping up, I called or I, I think I texted my friend and said, "Do you remember that?" And she remembered it just as well as I. I mean, it was one of those times when you go, you don't forget it. You know, you have an experience you don't forget. And that was one of them. Yeah. Yep. That's very true. So you've had paranormal experiences growing up in your house you've seen ufos or something um so it sounds like you've always been pretty open-minded but or maybe not maybe that's not the case but what why is your specialty what got you involved in this research because you you did say that you used to think it was kind of hooey and then something opened your mind to it so i wonder what what was it that convinced you that well, who I thought the paranormal hooey thing where was who, you know, where he, they just show up and then they disappear and then they show up somewhere else. Um, uh, and I basically, I felt like if that was the case, they would show up at, at the grocery store in the butcher department and they'd start collecting steaks, right? They wouldn't <laughs> just show up out in the woods somewhere and then disappear back into the woods. They would do something that was advantageous and got them food, easy food, because they they need to eat. They hunt deer. They they hunt other animals. Why wouldn't they just go into the grocery store and grab a couple T-bones? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if they really could appear and disappear, well, that's just kind of the way I dealt with it. But it's possible if there are portals or things like that, they probably don't appear in the grocery store. You know, they probably don't don't go into man-made places. It's probably somehow connected to energy and the universe and lightning and you know and 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 wilderness Mac- areas. I mean, it makes sense that they could be in those areas. I just more open to the possibility now, just because it's harder to harder and harder to explain the phenomena by just thinking of them as flesh and blood animals. I've always believed they were existed, but I. I tended to believe they were just flesh and blood animals. And now, and I still believe you can shoot one and they can die. There's evidence that that happens. Um, However, I also believe they have some other powers or access to other things, whether it be extraterrestrial or something that takes it to another level. And I don't understand that. They're coming. You mentioned the lights that you saw, Bobby. Mm -hmm. They're, they often are associated with those lights. Yeah. Where there's light balls of light that are either in the area where these things are seen or they're actually seen in conjunction. And they're also often associated with UFO appearances. So who knows? I don't have it all figured out. Uh, I'm, I'm looking real seriously into, into using portals and things in this next book. In conjunction with these things. So, but I just think it's an amazing mystery and, and I just don't eliminate anything. If I can't prove that it's not true, I'm not going to say it's not. Exactly. It's a possibility. We need to be open to possibilities without believing stuff, you know, anything anybody says. We can't do that either. But 
we have to be open to possibilities if the explanations we have aren't satisfying us, aren't doing the job. So I wonder if you've heard this theory. Um, I actually just learned of this over the weekend. There's a woman, um, her name is Sue Walker, and we're actually hoping to have her on our show eventually. But she talks a lot about Sasquatch and Bigfoot, and she, I don't know where she gets this information, but she theorizes that they're extraterrestrial beings. They share our planet with us, but they're, I I think she said they're able to travel interdimensionally, but also she theorizes that they can shapeshift. Ooh. What do you think of that? That's a game changer right there. I never even thought about that yeah. shapeshifting I mean, aspect of it. I don't know. I, like I said, I don't discount anything. I, um, I think it's possible. I think if you start getting into quantum physics and the measurement and um, what we see, what we see, the way images and light are translated by our brains into the objects that we think we see, yeah. they're not really, we're not really seeing. It's just our brain uh, makes it look like that because we need it to look like that to survive. It's our brain is driven by survival. So it's very possible that things, they change, the light changes so that the object changes. Yeah. Maybe maybe they can change the lighting or the the original the original the thing the brain sees so that obviously we see differently the brain then translates it differently. Yeah. Or they're able to communicate telepathically who's to say that they can't just make themselves invisible in your mind, right? Like psychically or telepathically. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I I I just don't know. I I know that with the measurement phenomena in quantum physics, there is some connection to photons collapsing from waves into matter mm -hmm. because we're watching it. Okay. Yeah. Now, I know that some scientists are rolling over and saying, "Oh, it's probability. It's all figured out by that." Okay. That that might be true but there's also a lot of mystery to it and a lot of theories have developed trying to explain it and um some of them say there's a multitude of universes to accommodate every possible collapse of the wave function because of how it's been observed and measured well if that's true then it is true that we we <laughs> The way without observing it, we we change it. Yeah. Okay, by observing it, we change it. If or there's others that say there's multiple dimensions and there's, um, uh, it, it there's one observer and that's God and everything's collapsing because God's looking at everything through us. So there's some consistency in how it collapses and there's it, it allows the universe to be a persistent reality at least yeah. <laughs> and that we can depend on and live in. So there's a lot of different ways of looking at that, but um, there's at the fundamental stage, there's something that we, we act on what we observe in some way. We act on what we observe and people could possibly see the same thing differently because they're <laughs> expecting to see the same something different. There could be all kinds of things going on. And I believe God made us as very uh, divine in nature. Yeah. And we are what he is. Mm -hmm. We are like he is in like smaller packages. And we're supposed to be connected to him all the time. Yeah. We really are. We just sometimes think we're not. But we have many of the same natures. Jesus even said, you are God's. I told you that, okay? And so who knows? I think we have a lot more powers than we think we have to change the things around us that we see. And I saw, this is maybe related, but I saw a video the other day of an alien that was being operated on by humans. And the human who was doing the operating was telling the story. And the alien woke up and looked up at the human. And it said, 
I feel so sorry for you. The alien said this to wow. the humans, and I, it was telepathic. He said, because you, have, you are so much, but you don't get it. You've got so much going for you, but you don't see it. And I thought, what is he talking about? I want to hear more of that story. But I think there's something to that. There's something powerful about human beings. And, uh, the, and it, I think it resides in their origins, which ultimately is, I think, is from God. And, but, but that goes in, and then that goes into the... Um, the materialistic view of the universe versus more of a spiritual view of the universe or a mystical right. view of the universe. And I think there are forces in our world today that want us to be in a materialistic universe because it benefits them. It profits exactly. them. Mm -hmm. And I think those have been persistently trying to demand that we live in that universe. And I think it's starting to break. And yeah. It's starting to break, and we're starting to see that it's not just a materialistic universe. And part of the battle we're seeing today is a battle between materialists and uh, perhaps spiritualists, or um, maybe there's a better word for it. But people who believe that what we see, taste, touch, smell, and, and hear is not all there is. That there's dimensions well beyond that. And science is beginning to do say that too. Exactly, that's true. I, was say, I completely agree with everything you just said, and I think we're living in a really exciting time because finally, we're technologically advanced enough now that I feel like science and spirituality are starting. It's it's a mm -hmm. little bit, but they're starting to come back together, and you really can't explain the full picture without both elements. And for so long, it was like science was so material based it was just observing the material world but you need you need the spirituality aspect of it to explain the full picture and i do agree with you on that and i also agree with you on what you said before that i think that there's a lot more out there that we don't know than what we do know and we need to be asking questions and figuring it out you know i think that's so important well the, what we see actually see we only see about point or 0.4 percent of reality yeah mm -hmm. dark matter can't be seen our human eyes can't see we have instruments that can measure some more of it than we can see with our eyes but even those are limited we t most reality is not accessible to us nope. Nope. okay that does not mean it doesn't exist <laughs> and it doesn't mean it doesn't affect us so it just i just think we have to be humble and say, you know what? We don't have it all figured out, but there's got to be more. Dang, that's oh. that, that that's something hearing that come from you, and I haven't even heard that come from Neil deGrasse Tyson. So that, that's <laughs> amazing. They, they don't. They they play the materialistic game. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They talk all the talk, but they want to be materialists. Yeah. And they 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 get all their money and all their funding from companies that want it to just be materialists and make profits. And that's a lot of science you can't trust anymore because they want to sell you something all the time. Exactly. So yeah. true. That's that's very so, true. Anyway, we just have to be careful and wise. So and well, humble, I think. Exactly. Uh, another question for you: Have you gone Bigfoot hunting? <laughs> I've never gone. Well, I haven't gone Bigfoot hunting. I've gone hunting, and uh, but I've gone. Just out running around in the area where we wrote the book about. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I went out, we went out there, looked around, and saw some things that may or may not have been evidence. Um, it seemed like it 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 was some evidence to me, some broken trees, some footprints, um, some scat, which was very large scat, but it wasn't bare. Yeah. Okay. And if it was human, it was a big human. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and uh uh, and we saw so just some things that, and it it looked to us like it was a natural deer crossing on the highway, where deer would probably cross. Um, with uh, so it, we we may have seen some evidence. I've never seen one. I am going to go out down here in Texas. I have some some 
people I know that are pretty serious and they go to some dangerous places. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are some places in Texas where you got to be real careful if you go to because they're real thick. Yeah. And there's animals and gators and snakes and there's scorpions and there's just a bunch of stuff. So you got to be pretty careful and they know what they're doing. And I'm going to go with them. And and I think it'll be a little less. It won't be really hunting, but it might be searching. Yeah. Because I don't think anybody wants to kill one, but unless it's going to kill them. Yeah. So. You have to let us know how that goes. Well, I will. There's a, quite a few people that are interested in it. So it, it could be as soon as October. Um, I've let them know that I when I can do it and when I can't. But yeah. Um, so I I'm it's it could be scary. I might stay at the base camp. It could be above my pay grade. <laughs> <laughs> These guys know what they're doing, but um, I might go with them. I don't know yet. We'll see what they say. But I will go at least to some parts of it. So. But, uh, yeah, I will definitely keep you posted on that. Oh, yeah, the, the tales of uh, Tim Moon actually getting out there. It's and part <laughs> of the research for the book, the oh, sequel. Okay. So yeah. I want to uh, get out there and actually feel it. So Nice. Um, and I'm sorry, Bobby. Can I ask a question about your book? Sure. Um, I know you said it's based off of experiences that your brother had, but did you incorporate any other stories or evidence? I, like I, I My goal in this book was to... Um, to not take a side on the physical versus the spiritual or paranormal. Although I, I give hints okay. to both. I give hints to both. And I didn't copy any okay. story I've ever read. But one of the things that I've learned in reading stories about this is that the ones that seem often the most ironic and the most crazy are often seem to be to me to be the most true. So what I wanted to do was take everything I've learned and then come up with some interesting possibilities that didn't directly copy any story, but uh, cons were consistent enough with the facts that all the stories basically told that that it was it was believable that that it that it could happen. So. Um, I took the to the knowledge that I had about the creatures and then developed almost purely imaginative stories about how this creature, this particular creature was acting. And and then I just let it go. And uh, it, it just, to some degree, wrote itself. Yeah. Okay. To, and I'm telling you, there were, there were times where I didn't know where I was going to go next. And then I got there and then I knew. <laughs> okay. So... That did happen sometimes. And then there's one, for example, one of the parts, there's a tree involved. I'm not going to say it because you probably haven't got there yet. But there's a tree involved. Well, I was reading stories of Native Americans in British Columbia, and they were talking about this tree and the impact it had on these girls that were trying to escape from the Bigfoot. And I'm going, well, there's my answer. I'll use the tree. You know, and I figured out a way to use a tree. And so... But then other things developed from that. So it really, there's two kinds of writers. There's planners and plotters. Planners plan it out, outline it to detail, and then they write it. Mm -hmm. I can't do that. I'm a plotter. I just start writing and things come. But, but I've got to immerse myself in the topic and really be, know, have certain understanding of everything that's going on. And then I just start writing and things happen. I fill myself up with material, but I don't write the outline the plan. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a very well written book. I actually thought it was a true story. And then Bobby hit me up recently and he said, did you know this was a fiction? And I was like, oh, I thought this was a true story. It's, no. <laughs> well it's not. It's fiction. It's, it's, it's really good. It's, it's amazing. Everyone should go grab that. Very interesting. It sucks you in. It's a very good book. And like you said, even for people who don't know much about the topic or didn't think that they were interested, it really draws you into the story. It's, yeah. it's you don't want to put down, you know. I really believe that today in today's world, people are just busy. They got mm -hmm. a lot to do on the, and they got a lot on their plate. And everybody's like this, you know, and 
if you're going to write and you're going to use someone's time, you got to you got to be real quick about getting to the point and letting them know why they're going to use their time and get through it quickly. I don't believe the day of uh, novels that are 500 pages are going to go anymore. Yeah. Okay. And so I tried to get it into the action as soon as possible and, and get them going because I know people's time is valuable and I want to, I want to use it, but right. So Good for people with short attention spans. <laughs> well, one of the guys, one of the writers told me that it was kind of like a novel for a 21st century. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, would, I would say so. It's one of those oh. books that you curl up on the couch and you just read and you start looking yeah. around as you're reading, you know, <laughs> every little yeah. scratch or noise or knock, you're like, okay, what's, what's happening? <laughs> so I, I love that creep factor that it has and it's subtle too. Yeah. One of my brother's friends was in the bathtub reading it, and the I think the the sink popped, and the water started spraying all around, and she got all freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, at least one scary story. Yeah. Well, Tim, thanks for joining us on tonight's show. It's been an amazing episode, and um, just your insights on. Um, you know, crypt the cryptid um, saga and your search to, uh, you know, to find out or, you know, just to understand what's really going on out here as best we can with the <laughs> the tools that we have. And your book, you know, like I said, is an amazing read. Um, it, it's perfect. I would tell people to go go buy it. Go go to Amazon again. We'll put that in, sh- in the show description. But you want a late can night I? book. Um, yeah, just one second. Book. yeah, yeah. In the winter, the winter's coming. Curl up with this book. I'm telling you. I'm telling you, <laughs> you will not be let down. Okay. Can I ahead. say one quick, uh-huh. one quick final story? Yes, for sure. When I was just about, I was, I had this was all written and it was being edited, and my editor suddenly told me about three quarters of the way through that she didn't think my characters were using guns in a safe manner and <laughs> couldn't, couldn't work on the book anymore. And so I was wow. kind of up against the deadline. So I had to finish it myself and I'm not the, that's not my strongest suit is yeah. editing. And so there's still a few things I've gone in and cleaned it up. I'm getting ready to update all the, all of it. So I know there's people that really like not having any typos or not having any issues. And they're really strong in that. So I just tell telling you so that I'm getting it cleaned up in the next two weeks. It'll be all clean. Oh. And so if that really bothers people, I understand and I want to be sensitive to it. But um, in spite of that, almost all of the reviews are great. I yeah. just get all four and five star reviews uh, and, and character development and storyline and pace. They love all that. But there's a few that were mad that they found too many typos. So I pro- I'm fixing that. I just want you to know. Okay. Exactly, people. But don't let that discourage you. Um, because again, you know, there. Let, let's do uh, Tim a favor. Let's sell out of all of his hardback books that he has at Amazon. That way, when those new ones come out, they can be reprinted. But there's not a, a no major issue whatsoever. Well, uh, this book is I only have paperbacks and eBooks right now. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So they, they can yeah. do that. Okay. Nice. Carolyn, any last words? Um, just it was such a pleasure having you on, Tim. You seem really knowledgeable and not just about this topic. I mean, about so many things. You were a great guest, just a fascinating Thank conversation. You. Yeah. And please go buy his book, Tomato Fields by Tim Moon. It's on Amazon, and it I swear, it's a really good read. I'm going to finish it right now, actually, as soon as we get off the... <laughs> In her COVID <laughs> state. Okay, keep the lights on. Okay? Yeah, exactly. yeah, definitely. <laughs> and uh, thanks for having me on. I sure appreciate it. It's really a privilege, and I'll keep you posted on what uh, anything else I do, okay? Perfect. Yes. Perfect. Okay, we'll do. Okay, thank you, Tim. Have a great night. You thanks. too. Bye-bye. Do you know where you are? My body. You have passed over. You died. 
We learned that for the, at least eight, the past eight years, military pilots frequently encountered unknown objects in controlled airspace off both the east and west coast across the continental United States in test and training areas and ranges. We don't know where they, are, they come from, who made them, or how they operate. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the ASA. Yeah. <laughs> 